Welcome to the Finance Cafe podcast, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that breaks through the money taboo and explores what's behind the numbers. Join your hosts, Shannon Peston and Shauna Frederick every week as they dive into conversations about business and finance with women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them to answer all those questions you have about the numbers and maybe some you haven't even thought of yet. With their combined experience in business, finance, and accounting, Shannon and Shauna know that financial management is more than just understanding the numbers, but understanding how our unique lived experiences, knowledge, thoughts, and behaviors around money shape the financial decisions we make in our companies. Here on the Finance Cafe podcast, presented by Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, we're changing the way we talk about business and finance, empowering women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light one conversation at a time. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Frederick, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by CEO of WEOC, Allison Kirkland. Allison, I am so excited for our conversation today because we are going to dive into the perceptions of debt. So what does that mean, right? So Shannon and I have our financial literacy program, and oftentimes, whether it's in our money mindset course or in our our financing landscape course, we ask entrepreneurs what their feelings are about debt. And we hear things like nervous, uneasy, uncomfortable, (laughs) anxious. And so I'm excited to dive into the conversation today because we find the more we talk about these topics, the more comfortable we can become with understanding why we feel that way, how others are feeling. So before we get into today's conversation, I mentioned you were the CEO of WEOC. And what's fascinating to me is you came in as the inaugural CEO in September 2019. Six months later, the world, as we know, it was flipped upside down. But in that time, Allison, you flipped that and and grew that organization from a board-run initiative to an integral resource for women entrepreneurial support. And what a great time for that during the last two and a half years. So before we get into today's conversation, welcome, Allison. So why don't you tell our listeners who Allison is and why you do what you do? Well, thanks, Shauna. And I am absolutely delighted to be here today. And I have to say that you're not paying me to say this, but we are so privileged to work with the Finance Cafe because we really admire the work that you and Shannon do um, and and really have taken advantage of that to share with with our members. And so it's just so, so valuable. Um, you know, you're making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, and me, and I, uh, I worked in the women's enterprise ecosystem uh, for 17 years. I was with the Women's Enterprise Centre of Manitoba and uh, you know, 17 years in one organization, you're always thinking about, you know, what's the next move and what's the next opportunity. But I just love this ecosystem so much that I couldn't imagine doing anything else or working with anything else. Nobody, nothing else really resonated with me. And so when the opportunity for the inaugural CEO uh, of WEOC um, presented itself, um, it was a move that I had to to consider. And so I was just so privileged to have the opportunity to start the organization, or not start, but to continue it on its journey, um, which was from a, an organization that was started by uh, the leaders from the women's enterprise ecosystem. And then we had the opportunity to establish a national office. 
And you're right, starting it in 2019 and then in 2020, every the world shut down. And it was horrible and terrible, but there was also an advantage to that because it made virtual communication so much more acceptable. And so we were still able to grow and work and, you know, connect with folks. Um, and we were able to sort of take out the travel component at that point and and really um, save some time so we could really focus our efforts on the organization. Having said that, the last year we've been back on the road and it's been wonderful just getting to know humans again in person and um and and our goal really is to um bring together and unite the women's enterprise ecosystem and ensure that the folks who are in the trenches with women entrepreneurs have the resources they need to support women entrepreneurs that is possible way. And you're right that that time during the last two and a half years when everything was acceptable being virtual, you really started to create that community. And I can only imagine now as you're going out face to face with humans and all these people that you've been connected with online, virtually over Zoom, and you actually get to see them in real life. Like that's so I just love that. Amazing. And then you go, oh, my gosh, you're so much taller than I thought. Or <laughs> no, tell so us just a little bit more about WEOC. So the Women's Enterprise Organization of Canada. So share a little bit about WEOC does with our listeners. Sure. So there are organizations across Canada that have different mandates. Some work specifically with women entrepreneurs, supporting them as they go through their entrepreneurial journey. There's other organizations that work with entrepreneurs in general, may have a specific program uh, that is dedicated to women entrepreneurs and other organizations that just that work with women entrepreneurs in the course of their normal activities. And so we are, you know, there's organizations across the country and they're all doing great work and it was a little bit about how not to reinvent the wheel but to bring those communities together those individuals together to share to talk to learn from each other and really that's foundational for what we is is to learn from each other to have the conversation to share information to share expertise um, likely if somebody's having you know a, a challenge or a question on one coast, somebody from somewhere else in Canada or on the other coast, you know, has had a similar experience. So how can we, how can we capitalize on those experiences and learn and share? Um, so on top of that, we also have our own professional development opportunities to help those, as I said, who are working directly with women entrepreneurs to enhance their knowledge and skills so that what they are delivering to to the women that they see on a daily basis. They have the tools to um, support them in the best possible way. I so appreciate that, Allison. It's that so WEOC is not working directly with women entrepreneurs. You are working with organizations across each province who work directly with the women entrepreneurs, but you're providing the advisors the tools and information and that collective sharing of knowledge to be able to support women entrepreneurs across this country. And I think that is so fascinating. And I think you said that much better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so let's sort of let's dive into our conversation today, because in the spring, um, I think it was 2022. So last year, we all, you undertook a research project to really understand and gain more knowledge about the decisions and experiences of women, two-spirit, gender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming entrepreneurs across Canada, 
as they considered funding sources for their business. And we both know, you know, that that conversation around borrowing and debt with women entrepreneurs can be so challenging. Again, those those initial feelings, nervous, anxious, uncomfortable, overwhelmed. So it was really trying to unpack a lot of this information. And what was interesting is the study really looked towards the nudges and mental models that led people down certain funding pathways. So you talk about, you know, um, bootstrap or borrow. So as many, I mean, many entrepreneurs start their entrepreneurial journey bootstrapping through their own source of funds. And then you get into uh, this this notion of um, of borrowing funds from various sources. So, tell us why Weok thought it was so important to undertake this research project. Yeah, that's a great question. And 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 as I mentioned, I had worked in the women's enterprise ecosystem for many years, and throughout that time, you know, it was always the story was women entrepreneurs have challenges accessing capital. And that has permeated, you know, the whole, you know, I, I started sort of in this ecosystem in the early 2000s and, and that continues today. And so, you know, we thought, you know, what are women really saying and what is their experience? And, you know, how do they feel about capital and accessing it? So that's really what, what, um, initiated the conversation and, and, and sort of led us to to develop this this research and and really to hear from the women who are or are not accessing capital. So why are they doing it? Why aren't they doing it? Or if they've tried, what has the experience been, whether they got the capital funding or not? And so we wanted to learn really in real time what they were saying and what they had to say. And so that's what started us on that on that journey of research. Amazing. And you you had over a thousand women uh, go through the research pro- project with you? We did. We were super um, delighted um, just to to have that many, because I think, you know, obviously, the more voices you hear, you can start to draw patterns or, you know, see if there's regional differences or industries, you know, issues. We also wanted to look at it from a very intersectional perspective. So we wanted to look at it from an you know how were indigenous women experiencing this or newcomers or uh, women with a disability or racialized women and and the um, LGBTQ2 plus community and and so really dive into it on in those perspectives so it was an opportunity to really hear from many voices and then to sort of slice and dice that to look at it from a, a variety of perspectives and so that's you sort of start to geek out on the data, but it's so interesting after a while. It's like, oh, wow, let's, you know, and then, well, what happens if we do this or that, you know, with this information? So, yeah, you are so right with respect to geeking out on the information. And we're going to share the report in our show notes, but whether you're an entrepreneur or advisor, I would encourage you to take a look at this report. From an entrepreneurial lens, you start to you know, see connections with other entrepreneurs, the way that you're feeling, you are not alone. And again, this notion of having conversations and seeing others that are in the same boat as you, you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not unnormal, abnormal. <laughs> this is the way that others are feeling. And for the advisors and lenders out there, it's looking at it from the pers- perspective of here are some of the barriers that a lot of these women entrepreneurs are facing. And what can we do as organizations to get rid of what you refer to as the sludge 
to help them move along that journey. So yeah, I I can totally geek out on the con on this report with you because it is it's fascinating. And again, it's normalizing this conversation because these women they feel very similar around this, you know, bootstrap or borrow conversation. Hmm. So, Elson, the report shows that women and non-binary uh, entrepreneurs in Canada have their sights set on growth, which is so exciting. We're entering Small Business Month here in Canada next month, and we can see, I mean, there's a lot of growth for these women entrepreneurs. But self-funding for these entrepreneurs is the default option for most respondents. What are some of the, what you refer to as mental models that you uncovered during your research as to why self-funding is the default option for entrepreneurs? Yeah, there's quite a few of these and, and, and it was super interesting. And, um, and some of it is, is almost sort of hard to hear. Mental model was they wouldn't lend to someone like me. Women or my stage of business isn't going to be funded. My industry isn't going to be funded. I don't like owing money. I don't, you know, so uh, I don't like having debt. So, so those were the things that they're the perceptions uh, of the entrepreneurs. And, you know, some of them are accurate. I mean, there's an accuracy in all of those perceptions, right? But, you know, where did you hear them? How did you hear them? And is it, you know, is it relevant for your situation? So women might be discouraged from applying just because of of you know what they've what they've heard and how they've made the leap in their own minds to to what that means to them so it's uh, right that is very discouraging and yeah. it comes back to both a societal conversation a societal norm and also how we were raised how you know the communities that we lived in the families that are upbringing and this notion of the trauma of money that we all carry with us Right. So it's understanding that. And furthermore, in the study, and this one really hit home for me, because you uncovered that nearly eight in 10 women acknowledge that they hate owing money, even though they are confident in their ability to distinguish between good versus bad debt in their business. What's your take on that? Mm, I think that there is maybe a full understanding of good debt versus bad debt is uh is my take on that um and that is because sometimes debt is good um and it helps to move the business forward um and and using your own capital using your own credit cards puts you and potentially your family at risk because you're dipping into retirement savings you're paying very high uh interest rates on credit cards so so there are other options that may be better suited to what you need um, and that to me is the good debt. And so understanding what that looks like and when is a time to borrow and when maybe isn't a time to borrow is super important. And I think there needs to be some education on helping women understand the differences between good and bad. I agree wholeheartedly. And it's not and it, again, it flips back to this is not a woman's responsibility. These are the advisors and the lenders out there that need to have these conversations so that we can reframe the good versus bad. Because I always go back to good debt versus bad debt compared to what? Right. <laughs> what are we comparing this to? And Shannon and I had the opportunity to attend Weoc X, and we had a conversation about this exact uh, topic. And I realized. To probably a little bit later in my life that 
because I used to always say that as well. I hate, I hate owing money, but it's not for me. I realized it wasn't the fact of owing money that I hated. I disliked not knowing how I was going to repay it. So I needed to have a plan in order to satisfy my anxiety to say, okay, here's my plan in place in order to satisfy this debt. It's so easy to, you know, think about how we grow up. I grew up in a small town and I remember my mom driving around looking for the cheapest toilet paper. <laughs> These are things that we remember as we grow up. Yes. So if you've come from a society or a family where money struggles or or watching uh, bankruptcy or, you know, defaulting loans, you can immediately get into that headspace of, I hate owing money, but it's understanding the why and potentially looking at, is there a solution to removing some of those barriers? Exactly. And I think your point is so vital. It, and that's why business plans are, are so important, because then you can document and you can you can project and you know where you're going to be and you're going to have a plan if things don't go as you had hoped. And so while business plans for many seem like, oh, it's all in my head, that's great. But once you put it on paper, you can see where the holes exist and where you can start to to move things around and to address address the gaps. So a business plan is so necessary. The plan and the budget, right? It's like driving a car blindfolded. You, you exactly. Or or you're heading somewhere down the road. Who doesn't use, you know, Google Maps or something, right? We have a navigator that helps us get to our destination. The same can be said with our business. We need to have that navigation in front of us, the cash flow of a business plan, you know, budget, all these things that many entrepreneurs, myself included, are they fun? No, (laughs) but they can be if we can flip that script. And then going back to the support that the various organizations that we OC supports across, across Canada There's business advisors that can help with those business plans. There are business advisors that can help you prepare those budgets, right? Give you those forms and those templates. So encourage our entrepreneurs out there to reach out to to WEOC, first of all, because I believe if you go to the WEOC site, you'll be able to find all of the organizations across Canada. Yes, all of the ones that are members of WEOC are, are on our website and they all have amazing resources to support entrepreneurs through the journey. Not just at the uh, startup or the ideation stage, but at the business plan and the growth. So, yeah, it's a it's a resource that is invaluable. It's it, so it, vital because we don't know that. I mean, many entrepreneurs don't that they don't get into business because they know the finance piece or because they're accountants. Women entrepreneurs generally get into business because they have a solution to a problem and they are passionate about a product or service and they're going to bring it to market. And it's okay that you don't know the other stuff. There are advisors out there to help you in this. You know, it's it's trying to alleviate the fear of asking for help because as women, we tend to do everything ourselves. And again, that's changing the societal norms of we're allowed to go out and ask for help when needed. So, so appreciate well, the, the work that we are doing. And I really think that it illustrates just this, you know, how smart women are when they ask for help. They know they don't know everything, so so build the team around you that can support you. And there's and there's resources for that. So I love that. So Allison, you mentioned earlier on that we know that access to financial capital is 
the number one barrier for women entrepreneurs. So how is the work at WEOC changing the way women entrepreneurs are able to access financial capital that they need to grow and start their businesses? So one of the goals of this um, research was to create um, a foundation where we could go forward and say to lenders, um, financial institutions, credit credit unions, uh, venture capitalists, etc., that women entrepreneurs have perceptions, and you know how are you going to address those perceptions, and and how are and are the policies and procedures that you have in place absolutely necessary, and what are you collecting or doing or asking um, that is throwing up roadblocks along the way. And so one of the, I guess it was um, serendipitous in a way, because we finished most of the research for this report and we were advised that we were going to be um, uh, a delivery agents of of the National Loan Fund. And so it's kind of put your money where your mouth is. And as we were building out our loan program and to get entrepreneur women entrepreneurs across Canada access to to funds what were we doing that was eliminating the barriers or and so you know we've evolved it we we it's almost it's been almost a year in November we'll have uh, we'll celebrate the first anniversary of our first loan and it's been an evolution over that time but we've always you know we're always looking to improve we're, and we're always asking what are we collecting what are we asking the entrepreneurs to do and what are we going to do with that information and if we aren't doing anything with the information then we're not we don't need to collect it so we really look at at what was you know what we learned from this report and that that was you know some sludge is absolutely necessary and, and and some people might suggest that a business plan is sludge because it does make you it slows you down a little bit right you have to get what's in your head out onto paper but there's good sludge and then there's not so good sludge and so the good sludge in my opinion is the business plan that helps you articulate your plan gets all the the wrinkles out or most of the wrinkles nothing's perfect when it goes to market but at least you've looked at it right and you've assessed it Bad sludge is, you know, terminology that they may, you know, that is just maybe jargon to them. It's very understandable to someone in a financial role, but to to the, you know, regular entrepreneur, it's like, we don't talk about that stuff. I haven't got a hot clue what you're talking about. Or it's forms or application forms that are asking you to duplicate information all over the place that, you know, you can't save and come back to or that you have to, you know, it, it, there's all of those things that really slow down the process. So as we've implemented our loan program, we've really looked at those things to say, what is our application process like? What are we asking the entrepreneur for? You know, how much information is necessary? You know, will this information change a lending decision for us? And if it isn't, then why would we ask the question? So there's lots of stuff. I mean, we're not perfect yet. We're we're striving for perfection, but we're always evaluating and hoping to make the, make the process as um, streamlined as possible. Um, but we also work with partners across the country who are delivering those, we call them the wraparound services. So working with the business plan and preparing the entrepreneur for the for the loan application process so it's a village really that is is you know supporting the entrepreneur 
And I love this notion of putting the money where your mouth is. Yeah. Because if we expect to change a society, we can gather all the information that we want. But if we then aren't sharing it collectively with other institutions or the, the loan officers, the advisors, it's very difficult to make to make actual change. So when you're going out to your loan partners and saying, look, here are some of the barriers that these entrepreneurs are facing. Is this needed and why? And I agree, some, some of the sludge is absolutely needed, right? And the benefit, going back to that business plan in particular, once you have another set of eyes on it, somebody else can, you know, throw in, throw in a gold nugget for you that says, oh, have you thought about this? Or, you know, looking at it from this way. So again, this notion of bringing, you know, this collective village together, that wraparound service that WEOC is, is providing to entrepreneurs and training advisors to have the conversations with women entrepreneurs in a language that is, you know, understandable. I, I am guilty of it as an accountant. <laughs> I can go in and I can, you know, throw acronyms out and talk about financial statements. And then I look across the table and there's this blank stare. And at that point in time, it is my responsibility as an advisor to change the narrative, to, to, to use language that is common, that is not foreign, that makes sense to that entrepreneur. That's my job as an advisor, not the entrepreneur. So you don't need to go out and learn how to be an accountant. I need to be able to give them the information. So the same with your advisors and your lending officers to say, okay, here are some of the barriers that are coming through with. How can we have these conversations to ensure that that barrier to accessing capital is being reduced day by day by day? Yeah. yeah. And also looking at things, you know, traditional things like credit scores. Is that the final arbiter of someone's relationship with money? And sometimes credit scores are the result of poor money decisions. Other times they're the result of circumstance. And um, so we look at those things and say, you know, how does this fit into, into the business plan? What is the rationale behind that? And, you know, a, a lower credit score is not necessarily a black a black mark. It's like, well, you're at, you're at a lot. Um, you know, we really look at it in its entirety. Um, you know, what is the plan? What is the feasibility and viability of this business? You know, what is the character of the entrepreneur? Are they willing to work with their with their advisor to really uh, dig into this? And you know, and are they receptive to the feedback? So those things are super important um, in the evaluation process of an application, for sure. Yeah, I love that. And especially when we think about credit score and newcomers. Yes. <laughs> so, you, yeah. know, you know, these brilliant newcomers coming to Canada wanting to start a business and something as, and I don't want to say as minor as a credit store, but something, you know, a, a credit score holds them back from being able to access just a little bit of funding in order to achieve that dream and put that into reality. So I, I so appreciate that, that that's what WEOC is really pushing towards. So we've talked about some of the ways that WEOC is really changing the way that uh, lenders and advisors are accounting for gender differences. What are some of the other ways that uh, that WEOC's looking at that when it comes to the lending process? I think we can we can look at it from a variety of of elements as well. It, it you know personal experience, you know reasons for maybe being out of the workforce, um, you know because there's the family component and that women still undertake so much of. Um, so I think that you know, there's certainly uh, other elements that have to be factored in to the whole evaluation process that that 
are often gender specific. Um, credit score may or may not be, um, but it could be the result of a uh, of a divorce that that hasn't been very positive. But you know, women are still looking after children and maybe aging parents, and you know, they may not. They may have been following a partner in in their um, professional journey, and so there's maybe some disruptions in their own trajectory. And so, what are all of those elements that become could become a factor um, either in their own savings or wealth creation or credit you know development um, or just in the experience and the networks that they have so those are absolutely things we really have and that's so amazing that that's you know those type that type of thinking weok is bringing that lens to the table and you brought up something interesting with respect to partner so husband and wife relationship starting a business that may be, you know, driven by the husband in most, in many cases, and the the spouse is brought in as a shareholder, and all of a sudden, that spouse is responsible for loans and personal guarantees. And if something goes sideways, this individual is now on the line. As you mentioned, it then impacts credit score. So it's so interesting that you bring this lens to the table when you're looking at um, loans for women entrepreneurs, because you're absolutely right. There are many there are many differences that come to the table and traditional lenders generally don't come to the table with that viewpoint. Right. Here's my little checkbox. And oh, you don't make match this check. So sorry, we're not going to uh, lend you any money, which goes back to some of the findings from your report. They won't lend to people like me, mm-hmm. oh. which is heartbreaking. Yeah. Absolutely heartbreaking. And the lack of access to capital then becomes a gender issue because then maybe the entrepreneur can't take advantage of an opportunity. So it can't grow the business at the same rate, if at all. Um, and so then becomes maybe not an asset that they can sell or bequeath or whatever. So. All of those things are must be taken into account. And and you know, just by saying no to, you know, accessing capital isn't just a, a sort of a one and done, too bad, you missed this opportunity. It it has long term, can have long term uh impact. And so it's, you know, if an opportunity, you know, opportunities don't always come around twice. So is there an opportunity to support something now? So. Absolutely. And we've looked at it a lot from the um, from the lender's perspective. Mm-hmm. From an entrepreneur's perspective, that decision to bootstrap can potentially limit that potential growth with that with those limited resources. So it's always thinking about, okay, what is that hesitation for me as an entrepreneur not coming forward and applying for this loan? Having a look through the bootstrap and borrow report that we all put together and then thinking about some of those questions and how they feel about how you feel about them, the questions, and then reaching out to a WEOC advisor. Right, to say. I, I think that that is so important because, you know, this research wasn't to say, you know, lenders are bad. It was to say, you know, there's some work that probably that has to be done on both sides. And as an entrepreneur, what do you need to do to prepare yourself and to position yourself for that for that financing? So I think that it, it's not all one sided. It's, you know, look at your situation, look at, you know, your goals and um, and be um, open to 
education to knowledge development to feedback. All of those things are, are super important as well. So all of us, right? Advisors, lenders, entrepreneurs, we can all continue learning and growing together. And the Bootstrap and Borrow Report is a great starting point. So we so appreciate that you put this together, Allison. It was so interesting for us. And, and um, yeah, it, uh, I mean, hearing from more than a thousand Canadian women entrepreneurs was humbling for sure. Uh, and then to hear them, you know, their exact words. And we have included some actual quotes from women um, in this report. And, and it, you know, it's, there's still work to be done. That's for darn sure. But it's, um, but, you know, it's the first step or it's a step on a, on a journey. That's for, And we're pleased doing that. You're right. It is a step on a journey. And once we start to unpack some of the knowledge and the learnings, we can take those steps to move forward. Allison, I have taken up so much of your time, but before before we wrap up, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to share with our listeners today? The only thing on that, I was just going to add this sort of as our last comment, um, is that I'm I'm really delighted to see that the Funders have been enthusiastic about this report and they've been, you know, have have really taken it to heart and things don't turn on a dime and change takes longer than most of us would like, but at least they're receptive to the findings and to hearing from women entrepreneurs. So it gives me great hope that uh, things will will change, uh, hopefully not too slowly, but that there is that movement toward looking at the realities of women entrepreneurs today. Amazing. Well, in the words of Billie Jean King that I heard her say yesterday, right? It's not a moment, it's a movement. Oh, <laughs> so love it. We should all get that tattooed somewhere. <laughs> so Allison, I just want to quickly wrap up here. You've provided our listeners with some great information. Again, I encourage lenders, advisors, entrepreneurs to check out the Bootstrap or Borrow report. There is such great information in there. And maybe take it to your bank the next time you go and meet with them as an entrepreneur. Just to say, hey, we had a read of this. You know, let's uh, let's share that knowledge out there. And I think more importantly, the overall work that WEOC is doing across Canada, you are truly a wraparound service that are pro- that is providing support for women entrepreneurs to help them achieve and grow their businesses. So kudos to you and all of the WEOC and all of the teams across the country. We thank you uh, for the support that you're providing. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a delight talking to you, Shauna. And uh, I just wish women entrepreneurs across Canada the very best because they're a force to be reckoned with. And we will end on that note. Thank you, Allison. And of course, to our listeners, uh, you can find more information about the Finance Cafe at thefinancecafe.ca. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast. Thank you for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. And to ensure you never miss a new episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on social at the Finance Cafe official or on our website at thefinancecafe.ca. See you again next week for another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast.